1: Lots to discuss this evening, and we will discuss it. Um, John McCain. An enormous amount of coverage of his passing, and it will continue for at least another week. He was a great patriot. He was a great military hero. He was a prisoner of war for five and a half years, and they beat the living hell out of him. They broke his bones repeatedly. They hanged him from a ceiling with his arms tied behind his back. And uh, none of us, or the vast majority of us, can't really imagine or can really imagine what took place. And there are others who went through this. I remember Jeremiah Denton. Jeremiah Denton was elected to the Senate from Alabama in the Reagan landslide wasn't expected to win but he won and he won one term I remember Jeremiah Denton he was an evangelical Christian you may remember him in the uh, the news later a documentary where the uh, North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong were trying to use him as a propaganda tool he was a very senior military official who had been captured and he was blinking Blinking torture. Blinking torture. He kept blinking during the interview. And our intelligence officials, why does he keep blinking? Why does he keep blinking? Because he was blinking in code, Morse code, torture. And there's a man sitting in the House of Representatives today, who most of you never heard of before, but the people in Texas have. His name is Sam Johnson. He was a POW for seven years. I had him on the show several years ago. I believe he's late 80s or 90 years old. He's going to be retiring this time. Another great man. All these men, so brave, so courageous. And I think that's why we admire them. Because we know they love this country like few others do. And they proved it. They proved it. Three weeks ago, I mentioned that Paul Laxalt passed away. He'd been a senator for two terms. He'd been the governor of Nevada. He was President Reagan's closest confidant. Nineteen, uh, I guess it was 1976. He and Jesse Helms, I believe, are the uh, only two senators to endorse Reagan over Ford. We've had some remarkable senators. McCain's very unique. He's very unique. We all know, or feel like we know, John McCain, his uh, many media appearances. He was the presidential nominee in 2008, and he lost to Barack Obama overwhelmingly. 2008 Barack Obama been in the Senate two years John McCain war hero badly defeated smeared in the editorial pages of the New York Times smeared by the left stories about affairs and so forth or a temper that raised questions about his mental stability oh I remember all that they do that to every Republican But there's no doubting he was a patriot. I strongly disagreed with many of his positions in the Senate. The Gang of Eight was disastrous. He obviously was one of the leaders. McCain-Feingold, I felt, was an attack on the First Amendment and free speech. And the Supreme Court agreed in significant part that, in fact, it was, as it struck down big chunks of it. And we're all going to be living under Obamacare because of the last major vote that he cast. Uh, And I cast that vote, and uh, unfortunately, Obamacare stands, will probably stand forever, as the uh, foundation for a single payer. And I disagree with his positions in many respects on regulations. And, even though I consider myself a Reaganite when it comes to foreign policy. I believe McCain's support for certain foreign endeavors were wrong, including in Libya, which has become a disaster. But the fact is he was a patriot. The fact is he loved this country. The fact is he was pro-military. And that's why conservatives like me respect what he did for the military and respect the life that he lived. Now, a couple of things I want to mention because they're hard to ignore. There's almost more, more talk in the context of uh, Senator McCain's death about Donald Trump than about Senator McCain. On talk radio... On the cable channels, all of them, in the newspapers, on the networks, more talk almost about Donald Trump than John McCain, and all negative, all negative. Trump should have done this, instead he did that. What Trump did was crass, he should have done that, and on and on and on. Must we politicize everything? Must we politicize everything? For those who don't like Donald Trump and some of the never-Trumpers on radio and on TV, why don't you just give it a break? Give it a break for 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. Just give it a break. If you hate the guy so much, why do you talk about him so much? John McCain was a patriot. Talk about him. Talk about the things you liked about him or some of the things you didn't like from a legislative perspective. Talk about that. It's obvious the reason Trump isn't going to his funeral is because he wasn't invited. So why do you keep repeating that? The vice president's going to go. And their quarrel didn't start with Trump condemning McCain in a rather outrageous statement about McCain. It started with McCain attacking Trump supporters. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I was raised that when somebody has died, show respect and show respect for the family. Show respect and show respect for the family. You don't have to keep bringing up Trump. The other thing they keep bringing up is the Republican Party. The Republican Party will never be the same. The Republican Party doesn't have the bipartisanship that McCain has. The Republican Party this. The Republican Party. As, as I'm watching the, the wall-to-wall coverage of the John McCain passing. Endless attacks on Trump. Endless attacks on the Republican Party. And yet in 2008, it was the Republican Party that nominated McCain. It was Republicans that supported McCain. It was Republicans who voted for McCain. The media outlets attacked McCain. The journalists voted against McCain. The left voted against McCain, not you and me. He's a great patriot. Why didn't they support him? Why did they support Barack Obama instead? They want to talk about politics, 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 but they don't really want to talk about all the politics, do they? John McCain has passed. It's very sad. He's been in the public eye for decades. When you reach my age, almost 61, and you start to see these, these, these folks pass away, it really, is, it, really, it really touches you. It affects you. And uh, as this passing does too. So we try to remember the good about people who passed. That's what we do. And talk about it. But don't use it as an opportunity to trash the president, trash the Republican Party. It's really really grotesque. It's really classless. It's really off-putting. And I and my family wish... The McCain family, all the best. I'm sure this is terribly difficult. And our deepest sympathies. And the reporters are already reporting about who should replace McCain, John McCain. Let me tell you something, folks. People have been maneuvering and talking about this for the last many months. And they're talking about it now. I would just say this to the governor of Arizona. You did the right thing in telling people you will not be lobbied while the senator was ailing. That is grotesque that people are lobbying while the senator is ailing and quite frankly a long period of of dying. But the speculation goes on. In the media, certain names raised, including the chief of staff to the governor. The governor's up for re-election, including Mrs. McCain and others. I've never heard of before. His former campaign chairman for his presidential race says that he believes that John McCain would have wanted a female Hispanic. I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't understand the point, quite frankly. There's a gentleman who's living in Arizona today, who's also a great patriot, who also served in the United States military, who also shows courage. And I think it's too early to be speculating about things, and yet they are speculating about things. He's a former lieutenant commander in the United States Navy. He served as staff internist in the Office of Attending Physicians of the United States Congress. A very brave man who believes in this country. He also happens to be Muslim and Syrian. And his name is Zudi Jasser. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Levin.
1: John McCain threw as hard a punch as anybody ever threw at him. He was no wallflower. But look how the media are covering this. Nicole Wallace at MSNBC. Fox News celebration of McCain must have driven Trump mad, mad, mad. This is over at this liberal site, Mediaite. Uh, Let's see. Katie Turr, leftist. The principal brand of Republican politics that John McCain embodied is gone. Flag at White House lowered to half-staff again after backlash. Trump ignores questions on McCain after being asked multiple times by reporters. Tom Brokaw tears into Trump for his response to McCain's passing. Ignoring his death is a disgrace. And it goes on and on and on. Why is Trump the focus of the media? Well, Mark, he's the president. I don't care. McCain has passed away. No comments about what Obama used to say about McCain in 2008. Quite frankly, no comments about what George W. Bush said about McCain in the primary 2000. All that's to be forgotten. No comments about all the vicious editorials in our free press against McCain. No questions about these so-called news stories that tried to raise questions of infidelity. No question about this news story that that suggested that he was a little off his rocker, maybe due to his torture. I remember all this back then. I was on the radio. 2008 especially. And virtually none of the people in the media praising John McCain and his bipartisanship None of the Democrats in the Senate voted for him for president. Why not? He was the same John McCain. He was the same war hero. Why not? The media in this country, I, I, I won't bore you with it, are just so appalling. And those conservatives and pseudo-conservatives who join in, they're equally appalling, equally appalling. The focus should be on McCain and his family. You know, sometimes I watch the television news and I wonder if I'm living in the same country. Really. I wonder if I'm living in the same country. Does anybody really think Nicole Wallace of MSNBC is in a state of mourning excuse me is in a state of mourning for John McCain or Katie Turr on MSNBC does anybody really think she's in a state of mourning over John McCain or most of these media types Tom Brokaw and so many others and they're offended they're offended by Donald Trump because This is about Trump
2: after all, you know.
1: It's about Trump, not a McCain, but Trump. All right, I don't know what else to say about this. Um, this will be going on for quite some time, uh until, uh, until the next news cycle. Well, it'll be going on for multiple news cycles throughout the next many days. I'll be right back.
0: This is the home of the July 4th Americans, and you can call at 877-381-3811. It seems that in so much of our media,
1: they're attacking Donald Trump more than they're mourning John McCain. Or they're sure as heck doing a lot of the former. It's the inappropriate time to do such a thing.
2: Now, if
1: John McCain had not supported the Democrats as part of the Gang of Eight on immigration, if he'd not been the key vote upholding Obamacare and joined with the Democrats, if he hadn't supported uh, and worked with uh, Feingold, Russ Feingold, former left-wing senator from Wisconsin, Uh, to limit uh, free speech advocacy during the course of a campaign and produce McCain-Feingold, if he hadn't voted against the Bush tax cuts and a number of these things, does anybody believe the Democrats would be celebrating him and want to name one of their buildings after him? I don't. I don't. When it came to power, when it came to 2008, the only prominent Democrat I can think of who supported McCain over Obama was Joe Lieberman and I don't remember if he was in or out of office with Joe Lieberman the usual major newspaper editorials and their editorial boards supported Obama over McCain little bit of context is important The people who supported McCain throughout his career were Republicans and in many, many cases, conservatives. That's where that stands. And as I say, there's there's all this speculation now about who the governor will appoint. So this is in the air. It's in the news. You can read it. You can see it yourself. And I just want to point out, as I said earlier, there's a gentleman who lives... In the Phoenix area, he's been on this program, he's been on my TV show, Levin TV, who is a, uh, a veteran, a former lieutenant commander of the United States Navy, who is a practicing physician, and who is a great patriot, who puts his neck on the line every day. Because he is promoting a reform type of Islam that is compatible with a free society and our constitutional republic. And you know who Zudi Jasser is. I was the first to introduce him on the national stage. For all the talk about the Republicans opposing Muslims, for all the talk about Republicans trying to put in place immigration limits and standards that are, they say, incorrectly, on the left and in the media, aimed specifically at harming Muslims, I think Zudi Jasser would be an outstanding choice to serve in the United States Senate. I really do. Nobody asked me. I haven't communicated it with anybody directly. I'm just saying it publicly, since all the speculation's out there already. And most of the speculations about rhinos, quite frankly. There's another guy in uh, Arizona who's terrific, former Congressman Shattuck. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. So the left and the media are using the uh, very sad event of McCain's death to trash the Republican Party and to trash the president. It's really grotesque. And it will continue for some time now. Now, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, there was actually a very thoughtful and intriguing piece in Politico by a guy by the name of Josh Gersten. And this is something I think you're going to want to hear. But test me on that. Take a listen. The headline is, Sleeper Case Could Torpedo Mueller Report. It might even keep the special counsel from sending a report to Congress, shaking Democrats' hopes that such a document could provide the impetus for impeachment proceedings. Oh, what's this all about, I wondered. A little-noticed court case stemming from the apparent murder of a Columbia University professor six decades ago could keep special counsel Robert Mueller from publishing any information about the Trump campaign in Russia that he obtains through a Washington grand jury. The substance of the case is entirely unrelated to Mueller's investigation into whether any of President Trump's associates aided Russia's efforts to intervene in the 2016 election, they write. But if a Washington appeals court set to hear the murder-related case next month, sides with the Justice Department, sides with the Justice Department, and rules that judges do not have the freedom to release grand jury information, we used to call this 6E information, that is usually kept secret. It could throw a monkey wrench into any plans Mueller has to issue a public report on his probe's findings. Lawyers following the issue said, now let me just slow you down. Grand jury information is supposed to be secret. It is a secret proceeding. The individuals providing testimony do not have lawyers present. It's considered very, very unfair for those proceedings to be made public because two sides are not heard. Only one side, the government. And so we have a case here where the United States Department of Justice is insisting that not only should not grand jury information be released... Involving a case that's more than 60 years old. But that judges do not have the power to order the release of such information. Now this is remarkable because Robert Mueller reports to the Department of Justice. It's a sleeper case, Harvard Law professor Alex Whiting said. If the D.C. Circuit were to accept the Department of Justice arguments... That would have potentially enormous implications for the future of the information from the Mueller investigation. That could close out a path by which the information becomes public. See, our constitutional legal system are actually quite brilliant, except when they're abused. And the appointment of Mr. Mueller is an abuse. This whole concept is an abuse. This use of a grand jury to try and get a president of the United States is an abuse. This use of a report much of which is based on grand jury testimony, to try and impeach a sitting president is an abuse. The case at the appeals court was brought by attorney and author Stuart McKeever, who has spent decades investigating the disappearance of Jesus Galendez, a Columbia University professor and political activist who vanished in New York City in 1956. His body was never found, but there are indications that he was kidnapped and flown to the Dominican Republic where he had been killed. The unsolved 62 year old mystery, which also sweeps in the death of an American pilot and two trials in Washington of the man charged with being an unregistered Dominican Republican agent, is so colorful and convoluted that it inspired a 2003 film starring Harvey Keitel, The Galendez File. Now, Attorney McKeever, 82, wants a judge to release secret testimony given to a D.C.-based grand jury that investigated Galendez's disappearance. But the Justice Department argues that judges don't have inherent authority to release such information unless it falls under exemptions approved by Congress, which don't apply in the Galendez case or in many others, including potentially Mueller's investigation. I've been on the journey almost 40 years to tell this story, McKeever said Sunday in a phone interview from his South Carolina home. The Justice Department does not want the case to break the dam. The arguments in McKeever's case next month will take place at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals in Washington, just two floors above where Mueller's grand jury meets. A spokesman for Mueller's office declined to comment on whether his team is tracking the McKeever case. But one lawyer closely following the Trump-Russia probe said Mueller's allies are aware of the problems the McKeever case could cause for the special counsel. Quote, there are people who are interested in the options open to Mr. Mueller and his investigation, who recognize the potential significance of this case, said Philip Lakarava, an attorney who served as a prosecutor in the Watergate special counsel team. By the way, who didn't? They're all over the place. It certainly could complicate matters. And I'm thinking, complicate what matters? Is not the special counsel supposed to deliver his report to the Deputy Attorney General of the United States? He doesn't deliver his report to Congress. So why would it complicate Mr. Mueller's situation? It would make it impossible, or at least legally impossible, practically it would probably get leaked, for Mr. Rosenstein to release the report to Congress. The ball would fall on his court. But why is it complicated for Mr. Mueller unless he has planned all along to develop an impeachment report? The article goes on. If the Democrats win control of the House in November, the whole debate is likely academic. In that scenario, the House Judiciary Committee could subpoena any report as part of an impeachment inquiry. A judge would likely approve the request because of a D.C. Circuit ruling in 1974 that approved transmission of a report to the House on President Richard Nixon's actions in Watergate. Uh, It's if Republicans keep the House and there's no such subpoena that the McKeever decision could take on added importance. At issue is a federal court rule that governs grand jury secrecy and lays out several exceptions permitting disclosures. There is no exception in the rule that explicitly authorizes a report to the public or to Congress for potential use in impeachment proceedings, nor should there be. The idea that a federal prosecutor rather than bringing charges against a president because he cannot would then pile up charges in a report for the purpose of having that president impeached is a grave misuse of power and misapplication of resources. Now the law used to appoint independent counsels in the 1980s and 90s had a provision for such a report to Congress and was the mechanism used for the 1998 report that led to the impeachment of President Bill Clinton. However, that law expired in 1999. Mueller was appointed under Justice Department regulations that are similar to the earlier statute, but there's no provision in those rules that ensures secret grand jury testimony can be made public, as there was under the old independent counsel law. Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani has said Mueller's office is preparing a report on his findings, but the exact mechanisms by which it would be disclosed is unclear. Experts on grand jury secrecy say the public assumption that Mueller can simply publish his conclusions could be wrong, especially if the appeals court sides with the Justice Department in the McKeever case next month. The question of how information obtained by Mueller in his investigation will ultimately become public is a pressing one. And it's a complicated question, said Professor Whiting of Harvard. And adding to the political drama around the McKeever case, the judges drawn to decide it. The three-judge panel announced by the court last week leans Republican. That means nothing, which is unusual since most of the D.C. Circuit's active judges are Democrats. And that's because, ladies and gentlemen, what uh, Obama did and Harry Reid did and the Democrats did in the Senate was they packed that court. They added three more seats, as I recall, so Obama could appoint them. Do you believe that? In addition, the panel will include the appeals court's only Trump appointee, Judge Greg Katsas, also assigned to the case, Judge Douglas Ginsburg, a Reagan appointee, and Judge Sri Srivansan, I guess, an Obama appointee. The McKeever case is already affecting another politically sensitive disclosure fight, a pending request from CNN for access to records of various grand jury court battles during the Clinton years. Last week, the Justice Department agreed to release a special master's report from one of those cases. The report detailing an investigation into alleged grand jury leaks did not mention Brett Kavanaugh, the Trump Supreme Court nominee, and it goes on, so CNN is trying to take down Kavanaugh, of course. CNN is trying to take down Kavanaugh. CNN has had no interest, really, in the Russian collusion on the Hillary side, anything to do with the Russian esp- uh, the uh, Hillary espionage activity, nothing to do with any of that. CNN has been flat-footed, of course. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. But not the sunspots, the brown spots, the UV damage to your face, neck, and shoulders. Introducing Genesil's brand new sunspot corrector and Chaminade's limited-time summer repair sale. Roseanne from Akron, Ohio says, In just days, I saw a lightning of dark spots on my cheeks, and I'm ordering more right now. And just like Roseanne if you click or call right now, you'll get the Genesel Sunspot Corrector absolutely free just for trying Genesel for bags and puffiness today. Finally, see those stubborn sunspots vanish, even the ones you had for years. Those bags and puffiness, gone. And for results in less than 12 hours, the Genocel Immediate Effects is also free. So go to Genesel.com or give them a call right now. They're there. They'll get you set up. 800 skin 604 800 skin Six zero four, And for one more week, Chaminade's microdermabrasion is also yours free for the first time this year. Keep the great memories from summer fun, not the wrinkles, inflammation, and sunspots. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to com. By the way, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I will be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel I hope you'll catch us there because we won't be there for a while in the, uh, the rest of the week and a good chunk of next week. So if you want to take a peek, this is the night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, Hannity TV on the Fox News Channel. I hope you'll join with us. The issue with grand jury testimony and it's keeping it secret is very, very important. Congress has laid out the conditions in which can be made public, which are few and far between. Again, this goes to our justice system. Will our justice system be changed in order to punish Trump? I've heard it said a lot that Trump is attacking the justice system. So a buddy of mine texts me and he says, no, 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 it's the justice system attacking Trump. And when you look what's going on in the Southern District of New York, how they hooked in these campaign issues, didn't have a trial on the campaign issues, no debate over the the um, so-called criminality or criminal nature of those uh, particular statutes, you get Cohen to buckle, his lawyer happens to be Lanny Davis. I mean, this is a setup passed on by Mueller to the career head of the U.S. Attorney's Office. Manhattan because the U.S. attorney has recused himself much as Sessions has recused himself. Then you look at this investigation involving uh, Mueller. And obviously it has almost nothing to do with Russia. Oh, yeah, I know he's indicted some Russians, but they're never going to see the inside of a courthouse or a federal prison. Now, Mr. Mueller has spent millions and millions of dollars. He's hired an enormous staff, most of whom are partisan Democrats. You know what a, a prosecutor, a true professional would do at this point? He'd issued a report. And he'd issue a report saying, we found no Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. Nothing significant. Nothing that interfered. Nothing that affected the result. The American people should feel gratified and reassured that that did not occur. Instead of trying to set up a president of the United States... Now, why would he try to set up a president of the United States? Why? Because that president dared to fire his best friend, James Comey. I'll be right back.
0: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number
1: 877 381 381 We are broadcasting on our backup system. We have an ISDN line, but apparently it's not working that great, so we're now broadcasting, am I allowed to say, Mr. Producer, on our main Internet line, modern technology. We don't have a third backup. So uh, if I'm blown off the air, it'll be the longest silent prayer in American history. (laughs) Anyway. There is a piece by this uh, website called Axios, A-X-I-O-S, and they point out a number of things that uh, the Republicans are concerned about, that if the Democrats take the House, what's going to happen? And you really need to listen to this. So they obtained a spreadsheet, they write, that circulated through Republican circles on and off Capitol Hill, including at least one leadership office that meticulously previews the investigations Democrats will likely launch if they flip the house. Now, I can assure you this document the Republicans put together, which was leaked by one of these Republicans to the media, will now be used by the Democrats as their actual list. So uh, here's what the Democrats plan, the Republicans believe. President Trump's tax returns. This is what you're going to get if you don't vote. Trump family businesses and whether they comply with the Constitution's emoluments clause, including the Chinese trademark grant to the Trump organization. These are all phony, but it doesn't matter. They take up time. Trump's dealings with Russia, including the president's preparation for his meeting with Vladimir Putin, The payment to Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels. James Comey's firing. Trump's firing of U.S. attorneys. Oh, I see. Republicans aren't allowed to remove Democrat U.S. attorneys. Trump's proposed transgender ban for the military. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin's business dealings. White House staff's personal email use. Cabinet Secretary travel, office expenses, and other supposedly misused perks. Discussion of classified information at Mar-a-Lago, Jared Kushner's ethics law compliance, dismissal of members of the EPA board and scientific counselors, the travel ban, family separation policy, hurricane response in Puerto Rico, election security and hacking attempts, White House security clearances, The spreadsheet catalogs more than 100 formal requests from House Democrats, this Congress, spanning nearly every committee. Includes requests for administration officials to be grilled by committee staff, requests for hearings to obtain sworn testimony, efforts to seize communications about controversial policies and personnel decisions, and subpoena threats. These demands were turned the Trump White House into a 24-7 legal defense operation. Now, is this what you want out of your government? These sort of kamikaze tactics? Because they're coming if the Democrats win the House of Representatives. And notice that they don't give a damn about actually governing either. It's all about power. They have the mentality of the average thug in Venezuela, or Cuba, or you name it power at all costs and the media will back them every step of the way because they're one and the same ideologically we had a great show Sunday night we had a great show and uh, two young ladies and um, they made some great points about this too college campuses, academia in the media and so forth Candace Owens Katie Pavlich I hope you caught it but this is what's going to go on so if they don't muster the votes to impeach Trump should they win a majority in the House or if they decide rather than impeach Trump let's keep that impeachment hanging over his head while at the same time really just slamming him day in day out day in and day out and weaken him for the next election this is what the Democrats do when Republicans win There's not a Republican who's won the presidency that the Democrats haven't tried to take out. I want you to think about that. They succeeded with Nixon. They tried to take out Reagan on Iran-Contra. They tried to take out George W. Bush from day one, claiming he was an illegitimate president, you may recall, because he won the Electoral College but didn't win the popular vote. And then they went after him over the... uh, the Iraq war, that he lied about intelligence. One after another after another. Mark, what about Bill Clinton? Well, Bill Clinton was later held in contempt by a federal judge. That's how serious his offense was. And his offenses occurred while he was in office. Paula Jones brought a civil suit. But Clinton's criminal activity, perjury, suborning perjury and so forth, obstruction, that all occurred in the course of the civil suit. And his conduct in the Oval Office with Lewinsky, again, occurred while he was President of the United States. These weren't presidential prerogatives. The president firing James Comey is a presidential prerogative. No prosecutor has a right to ask the president about it. As a matter of fact, no member of Congress has, has any power to ask a president about it. It is an actual power that a president must have to appoint people and to fire people. That's what's meant by a presidential prerogative. And the president has to protect that prerogative against all comers in order to protect that office for the next president. The one after that... Ad infinitum. So these comparisons, I, I saw on one of my favorite sites, the Federalists, a gentleman there trying to make a comparison with Clinton. There is no comparison with Clinton, none whatsoever, even though the Democrats and the media try to do it. There's no comparison. And uh, And also you have, within the federal government, these... <laughs> These public officials, using their public office, even before Trump was elected president and subsequent to his election, law enforcement, intelligence, trying to destroy him, his family, his staff, trying to prevent him from becoming president of the United States, and as president, trying to prevent him from actually being able to be president of the United States. Has anybody ever seen that before? It's like the Southern District of New York with their uh, cockamamie campaign charges. I'm asking for a list of candidates who've ever been criminally charged and successfully tried on these counts that Michael Cohen pled guilty to. Who are they? There aren't any. There aren't any. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right. What's going on here? Um, There's another great uh, editorial, but you won't read it because it's not the Washington Post and the New York Times. You won't hear about it in the media. And it's in the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and they point out, let the people decide. A special prosecutor shouldn't negate an election. Now, what's interesting about this is this is a point that is underscored in those two memos I often talk about from the Department of Justice, that there's only one way to remove a president, only one way provided by the framers of the Constitution. Are we a constitutional republic or not? And uh, there is no provision in our Constitution for a special prosecutor or a special counsel. And they're not that special. They should be called rogue prosecutors and rogue counsel. And um, for a president to have to deal with a prosecutor who's trying to write a report based on secret grand jury information in order to remove him from office by providing that information to the House of Representatives ultimately, really is a bastardization of our system. You cannot impeach a president on events that occurred before he was president. That is the precedent, and the left loves precedents, except when they disagree with them, with Vice President Collier, that case in 1873. We talked about that there have been judges who have been impeached and removed for events that took place prior to the time that they were confirmed. But in one notorious case in particular, that nominee as a judge withheld information from the Senate Judiciary Committee, so they, they didn't learn about it. But judges are treated differently, and they were considered different for impeachment purposes uh, by the framers of the Constitution. They spent most of their time talking about what to do about a president. There is serious doubt that 6E or grand jury information, secret grand jury testimony, can be used in a public report. So that's the second point that we need to keep in mind. Issue of obstruction of justice. Well, a president cannot obstruct justice... By committing the act of, of taking steps that are permitted under the Constitution. You can't obstruct justice if you're president by uh, taking steps that embrace your prerogatives. So, president cannot obstruct justice in doing so. So what's left? Russian collusion. Well... Collusion is not a crime, right? And there is none. Well, you see, uh, that's okay. We'll call it, uh, what, are the, what are they calling it, Mr. Producer? Conspiracy to uh, defraud an election. Isn't that the phrase that, uh, that the prosecutors came up? Conspiracy to defraud, I'm writing these down, to defraud an election. Well, who did the president conspire with? Who, who did he conspire with? Has somebody been charged in the United States with such an offense uh I don't think so Now we have the issue of you can't indict a sitting president now the uh the special prosecutor has finally concluded that I'm right that is d o j policy okay. Then we have the Southern District of New York. They are pursuing what? They are pursuing campaign violations. Well, uh, what violations? So everybody has to speculate on what these violations uh, that that these are that these are uh, crimes, because there's no precedent whatsoever for this. And of course, as I keep saying, it hasn't been tried in a court of law. So now what? What's left? Well, they're going to investigate the president's business? Well, we now have a state prosecutor, the attorney general in New York, and the Manhattan DA who want to investigate the president's business. Well, they need to aggressively fight that. And I think what the president should do, and I mean this, he should bring in a half dozen of the Toughest, smartest, no-holds-bar litigators, criminal litigators in the United States. Hire all six of them. Bring them around a conference table. They know and further explain what's taking place in New York, particularly at the state and local level. And unleash holy litigation hell on them. In my opinion, that's what he should do. What about this impeachment thing if the Democrats take the House? Please listen. If the Democrats take the House, that's our fault. If the Democrats take the House, that's our fault. We already know where they're headed. We already know what they want to do. If they don't impeach, they're going to seek to burn down. They also have a radical left agenda on health care, on immigration... They will further undermine the United States military. They've already endangered us with China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, this president stepping into the void. So for policy reasons, for constitutional reasons, and generally for reasons to maintain this republic in our constitutional system, you got to vote. So if the Democrats take the House, that's on us. That's not because of the prosecutor. In New York, that's not because of the special counsel. That's not because of impeachment. That's because of us. It is up to us to prevent that from happening. And when you have a congressional district in Ohio where the Republican wins by 12 or 1400 votes, that Kasich used to hold, that is a bright red district, and 87% of the Democrats turn out, and 40% of the Republicans turn out, that's on them. In that district. That'll be on us in every district in this country if they if we permit that to take place. The Never Trumpers are just filled with venom and hate. Some of them are out of the closet and it drips from their every pore, and you can see it. Others play games. Like in the very sad and unfortunate passing of John McCain. They will use it, the Never Trumpers, as an opportunity to trash the president of the United States. They'll use it all. That he's stupid, that he doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut, that he tweets. Meanwhile, he's president and they're not. Meanwhile, he's a multi-billionaire and they're not. Meanwhile, he's accomplished and most of them are not. Doesn't mean you have to agree with everything the president says and every way he says it and so forth and so on. We, We already know that. But this Pittsburgh Post Gazette editorial is right. You got Cohen, you got Manafort, you got these other cases out there, and so forth. But we have people trying to use these cases and other cases and trying to concoct a crime for what? In order to remove the president of the United States, one way or another, and in order to also cripple his agenda, they shouldn't be able to do that. We, the people, get to decide. We voted. In 2016, And this is all about that 2016 vote and reversing the vote and removing the president by hook or by crook or destroying him so he can't function. Would it really be okay if the president of the United States can't function? If he can't put in place better security on the border? If he can't follow through with building up the United States military and backing local law enforcement and putting real originalists and textualists on the Supreme Court? Would that really be in America's favor? No, I don't think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back.
2: This
0: is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811.
1: All right, Hillsdale College. Folks, today I'm here to talk about Congress. No, not about the upcoming elections. Obviously, that's important. To talk about Hillsdale's groundbreaking new online course, Congress, how it used to work and why it doesn't. And that title right there sums up why you need to take this course. Hillsdale College teaches better than anyone, anywhere, the Constitution and how our government is supposed to work. And in this course, you'll learn exactly what Congress should be doing and what it shouldn't, how it got to the state it's in today, and how we can start to restore a more constitutional Congress. The course is free to you, my listeners, and when you pre-register, you'll reserve your place for when it launches on Constitution Day. What's more, with this course, Hillsdale has created an entirely new online course experience that has to be experienced to be believed just go to levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, right now to register. It's free, so no reason to delay. Reserve your spot today at levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, we're going to take some callers here. What callers do you have there, Mr. Producer? a.m. KRLA. By the way, Ken, hold on one second. We have a big event there coming up. You can go to the KRLA website. It's in a couple of weeks. Uh, I will be there. Other great hosts will be there. I really want you to check it out. I don't know if they're sold out yet. I know they're selling out rather quickly. So go to the KRLA website. Uh, And they do a wonderful job uh, in setting up this program. I was there last year Actually, the year before last. Uh, And as you know, I don't go to many of these events, but I want to get out there to LA, and KRLA is the place to check this out. Again, a wonderful event for our audience in the Los Angeles area. We'd like as many Levinites as possible to turn up. Mr. Producer will you find that on the KRLA site and put it up on my social sites, please? All right. We shall do that. Uh, Let's go to Ken. Go ahead, Ken.
3: Yes, uh, Mark. Uh, the Mueller uh, actions are so complicated and convoluted, but I think I've come up following your guidance to always think outside the box. I yeah. may have may have come up with something, and I want to bounce it off you and see what you
1: think. You got it.
3: What What is the status of the Cohn case right now? Where he has pleaded guilty to. Uh, you know the the two the two actions that uh, aren't really uh, uh, law violations, but he's agreed to them. What uh, I know he's been he's been sentenced. Well, well, he's guilty.
1: He's he will guilty. be sentenced. He, he hasn't be sentenced. been sent. He has not been sentenced yet.
3: And he's looking. He's looking at uh, uh, r- roughly what like 40 months of of time or something like that. Well, right?
1: I don't know. I mean, I hear three to five years.
3: Three to five years. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't, like, at this point in time, can't the president commute his sentence?
1: Yeah, but why would he? To,
3: well, to get to get him to, in effect, at least from a public relations standpoint, and possibly force a decision. I know you've been lamenting the fact...
1: No, that no, 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 no. That would only build the brouhaha for impeachment and claims of cover-up and obstruction and all the rest... None of which they are. So I don't see any reason to do that. This guy uh, Cohen is a liar. He's a reprobate. He's a tax cheat, and um, they can use him all they want. How? Uh, in the in I don't know. In the federal case. Remember, if a president commutes somebody's sentence, pardons them, and so forth, that's only good at the federal level. That doesn't affect state or local laws.
3: I realize that. But this is a federal case
1: yes but i 'm saying that it doesn 't matter because they can 't prosecute the president uh, the state and local governments they can bring charges
3: it would be a political victory if if the, uh, if it was challenged and and
1: and so we 're not uh, he 's not interested in a political victory and i don 't know that it would be a political victory uh, The point is and and judges are uh, you know, they can come out of left field. You don't know what's going to happen with a particular judge.
3: Okay. Well, to me, if if I don't know what further actions Cohen is, has agreed to, what he's doing, or whether it's his uh, his uh, uh, quote conviction, The President
1: can't control that.
3: No, I understand. But but if the if he if Cohen gets his even his four, or three to five years uh, commuted. I'm still wouldn't.
1: trying to understand why the president should commute his three- to five-year sentence. I'm not, I'm not clear on this.
3: Okay, to force, to force uh, a, a determination as to whether the two things that... Well, he,
1: how, does that, how does that force a determination when he just cleared the slate for the guy? Well, I don't know what, what else... Uh, Once a president does that, there's nothing to take to court.
3: Well, but 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 we don't know what Mueller wants him to do. That's the. Well, problem.
1: Mueller doesn't want him to do anything. It's the Southern District of New York.
3: Okay, uh, then you know. A, a you're, you're
1: you're you're, you're, you're uh, no offense. You're confusing a number of things here. the The fact is that there's no there's no benefit for the president doing what you suggest. None. Okay. And you got these these hack uh, prosecutors. These. Uh, elected prosecutors in Manhattan and eventually in Albany and and they want to take a shot at their their real aiming their aim is at the uh Trump organization, Trump Foundation and ultimately Trump's taxes. That's how slime ball these people are. Thank you for your call, my friend. Patricia Frankfurt, Kentucky XM satellite. Go. Yes,
4: sir. I watched your program last evening with the two young ladies uh on Fox, about, yes. On Fox. Uh talking about college and how to try to get conservative speakers to the college level, but I feel like we need to start in the elementary schools, because once they get to college, it may be too late, that uh, conservative values and teachings need to be...
1: Well, the only problem is it's a little more complicated. Those are government schools, and you're right, and the way to address them I was president of an organization called Landmark Legal Foundation. The way to address them is through tax credits, competition, vouchers, homeschooling, charter schools, and so forth. You have to break them up. You can't just walk into a public school or a government school and say, we demand this, this, this. The universities and colleges, while many of them are state-controlled or state-affiliated, it's not that it's easy to do it there, but it would be easier to do it there. So... Uh, I, I agree with you. These battles need to be fought at every level. But um, what did you think of that show?
4: I liked it. They were very impressive young women. And they speak well to, their, um, to them, themselves and to their generation. And we, hopefully more of your peers will listen to them.
1: All right, my friend. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Let's see. John. Detroit, Michigan uh, How are you, sir?
2: Hi, Mark Thanks for taking my call Yes, sir uh, Enjoyed your show, too uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin last night Thank you I thought you. it was really interesting That you asked both of those ladies um, What made them conservatives And they were very articulate In what they shared Yes I don't think if you asked a liberal What makes them a liberal They could even, you know, explain it But anyway That's my a good point My question for you a uh, question for you. So, uh, say after the election, uh, Sessions is dismissed, and Trump recess appoints a new AG. Um, hopefully his initials are ML, but we won't go there. That
1: right won't now. happen, but thank you.
2: <laughs> um, so, if a new AG is appointed, can he take over the case, the Mueller case from Rosenstein? Why not? Good. I'm glad to hear that, because then he could take over the case.
1: The answer is yes.
2: And Uh, and,
1: Sessions recused himself as an individual, a new individual coming into the position of attorney general. There's no need for that individual to recuse him or herself.
2: So he could take over the case and he could limit the scope of Mueller to, say, Russian collusion, you know, wrap up your case and make your report. He could. And if Mueller doesn't do that. He could be fired for insubordination or whatever, but he can be fired. Period. Yeah, at least he could, uh, you know, rein him in, uh, limit the scope of.
1: So the the issue isn't whether these things can be done. The issue is the the way the media have stacked the deck, the way the Democrats have stacked the deck, and many Republicans from a um, from a press and public relations point of view. And you may think that has nothing to do with anything, but it does. It has had a big impeachment issue and also uh, the election issue. But maybe after the election, you bite the bullet and you let the chips fall where they may.
2: Yeah, I think people have. Um, it's baked in. People think Sessions is going to go after then, and he points a new uh, AG that's you know he he can rely on, and and he and he starts doing some work in the Justice Department.
1: Mm.
3: Hey,
2: one other question for you. Um, yes, sir. Do you think um, that these tactics by prosecutors, you know, these intimidation, this extortion, these, you know, bankrupting people, taking away their liberty, do you think any of these tactics need to be reined in? Yes. You know, it's very rare that a prosecutor is held accountable for. Let,
1: Let me explain a couple of things real fast. The way this is supposed to work, when you have cases that involve a president of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States is supposed to sign off on these. That means Rosenstein is signing off on this stuff. There is no reason that Sessions can't be involved in what's going on in New York. That has absolutely nothing to do with interference in the campaign uh, by the Russians and Trump, does it? No. No. So the question is, who's in charge of what's going on? in the Southern District of New York. There's no reason uh, the Attorney General of the United States can't be in charge. And there's no reason he should be signing off on this stuff. The Deputy Attorney General of the United States is in charge of what Mueller is doing because the Attorney General recused himself. So when people say, you know, the Trump guys, they turned around their lawyers two and three days, the issue of uh, subpoenaing a president, this is what they're offering, take it or leave it. Why does it take... Mueller, two, three, four weeks, because Mueller is working with Rosenstein, his boss, to figure out what to do. So, you see, these guys are not supposed to be rogue. These guys are supposed to be managed, and they're not being managed. Or in the case of Rosenstein, they're being prodded to do these things. See what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it gives me some hope that after the election, I think, uh, you know, a new AG can be appointed. That's you know, I, I don't know if they're going to... And he can make a funny.
1: recess appointment and put basically anybody he wants in there.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, my friend, out of time. I appreciate your excellent call. We'll be right back.
0: Mark in.
1: friend come up to me the other day and this friend says to me you know what I've tried the super Beats. I've tried the Superbeat product and it really does work I've been using it for the last six days now what is this friend talking about and that's true take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen you've just created nitric oxide That is a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health and keeps you vibrant. So as we age, our bodies need help with this important process. Super Beets by Human has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets to create a superfood that actually helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. So it's all natural. One teaspoon of Superbeets daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. Now, we're talking real, healthy, natural energy for those of you who need it and even those of you who aren't sure. Stephen from Illinois says, taste is pleasant as is the increase in energy. Great caffeine substitute without the negative caffeine side effects. I want you to try this. So here's what we're going to do. Call 866-205-4907 or go to superbeats.com Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the one plus one equals boom effect of Super Beats. call 866-205-4907 866-205-4907 or go to superbeats.com/levin today it'll give you a good kick of energy and that's what nitric oxide is all about it's natural but it helps you create more of it in a natural way if you feel tired exhausted a little down or if you just want to maintain a decent energy level, this is the natural way to do it. Healthy, natural energy. 866-205-4907 or go to superbeats.com Levin, L-E-V-I-N, today. Don't forget, I'll be on Hannity at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Cindy, Fort Myers, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, please.
4: Hi, I just want to say how much I appreciate you and appreciate your program. It's, it's Thank you. It's very helpful. Thank you. And um, my question is, is could you explain why it is classified that scope memo that Rosenstein gave to Mueller that Judge Ellis insisted on seeing before he proceeded on the trial with Manafort? Well,
1: we I can only guess. Why it, we, we can only guess that they provided certain intelligence information uh, that they got through, uh, you know, who knows what, some kind of surveillance, um, whether it's wiretaps or other forms of eavesdropping or uh, texts or letters or emails, phone calls, that they had some kind of information uh, that would later be added right to the scope because they didn't have it originally and approved by the deputy attorney general to try and uh, convince the judge that uh, the scope of their investigation was legitimate that's just my guess okay well i I can't imagine what it is but who knows
4: okay well thank you very much
1: all right you take care bruce orr is supposed to be before congress tomorrow remember him Associate Deputy Attorney General of the United States, who served on the Deputy Attorney General staff, that would be Sally Yates, left wing hack Obamaite. And there's a lot of important questions that Bruce Orr needs to be asked. For instance, your wife worked for Fusion GPS and worked on this opposition research. To what extent did you share information did she with you? And what did you do with that information? We have many, uh, lots of evidence of many communications between you and Peter Stroke. Peter Stroke being the uh, counterintelligence top investigator over there at the FBI since fired. What was your relationship with him? What information did you share with him and did he share with you? What role did you have in using the dossier that your wife helped work on? Uh, to get to the FBI to put in their application for the FISA warrant. How about Peter Stroke? What did you share with him? How about your boss, Sally Yates? Was she aware of your activities? Was she aware of your of your wife's role? Was she aware of your relationship with Mr. Stroke? Did you brief the Deputy Attorney General of the United States? How about Mr. Stroke? Did he do the same? There are myriad questions that can be asked Mr. Orr and should be asked Mr. Orr. I'll be right back.
0: From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three
1: eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. We have some interesting audio for you. Chuck Todd, Democrat, media. Uh, he had Jerry Nadler on his show on Sunday. Why? I don't know. Nobody cares about Jerry Nadler. But he's he is really a hardcore radical leftist of the old school, old-time red. And apparently back in 1999, uh, he was very vocal uh, about um, – Arguing that Bill Clinton couldn't be impeached for obstruction of justice, that a president cannot be impeached for obstruction of justice. Um, And this, we want to give a hat tip to the Washington Free Beacon. But this is from Meet the Depressed on Sunday. Cut five, go.
5: Back in 1999, you are during the debate about whether or not President Clinton obstructed justice. You said you, at the time you weren't convinced that a, uh, that a president could obstruct justice. Do you still feel that way? That it's not one of, um, I think the quote, that uh, might not be impeachable. Put it this way, that obstruction of justice might not be an impeachable offense.
6: Well, I don't remember saying that, but if I said it, I said it. But no, I don't agree with that today. Obstru- a president, no, he doesn't anybody- agree
1: with it today because, of course, tables have turned. That was Clinton. This is Trump. So, of course, uh, he has no uh, real consistent morality It's just power for power's sake. Go ahead.
6: An, obstruct justice. Uh, an obstruction of justice under certain circumstances might be an impeachable offence. Remember, um, there's a very big difference between a crime, which may or may not be impeachable, mm-hmm. and an impeachable offence, which doesn't have to be a crime. An impeachable offence...
5: So wait, there's some crimes that the president could commit that you would think is not impeachable? Yes. Like, absolutely. what, the affairs? Well, These well, campaign finance, this wouldn't... Oh, well, uh,
1: dummy, an affair is not a crime ask uh, clinton unless you turn it into one no this guy's really kind of dumb to be honest with you a speeding ticket you know uh something like that you wouldn't impeach a president over that anyway go ahead
6: well, that that might because it implicates uh, uh, subverting the election process but which you're you're skeptical it sounds no, like I, I don't know i haven't okay. studied that but certainly i said at the time that perjury with regard to a private sexual affair did not threaten the Constitutional order. is a crime, but was not an impeachable offense.
1: No, but perjury, lying to a federal judge, is what took place in a civil case. We know it's a crime. As a matter of fact, after the impeachment trial failed in the Senate, that federal judge, Susan Weber Wright, the chief judge, the chief district judge in Little Rock, Arkansas, took up the matter of Trump of uh, what's his name, of Clinton's um lying during the deposition. She held him in contempt. Clinton did not challenge it. Clinton agreed to it. Clinton was removed from the Arkansas bar for 8 years. Clinton had to pay a penalty. Clinton was removed from the Supreme Court bar. Clinton did not want a trial. Because then more dirty laundry would come out. I just want to make this clear. And in the matter of Lewinsky... That matter occurred while he was president. Not years before. While he was president of the United States. And he lied about it. To a grand jury through a video. He stupidly agreed or his lawyers did, uh, to cut this kind of interview deal with uh, Ken Starr staff. But that said, when he had it, he lied, flat out. Go ahead.
6: Regarding an attempt by a president to uh, uh, to subvert the constitutional order to aggrandize power probably would be an impeachable offense.
1: All right. All right, so there you have mumbo-jumbo. Mumbo-jumbo. But uh, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press... Uh, has a wonderful reporter by the name of David Brody, who I know I consider a friend uh, with the Christian Broadcasting Network, and he really is good. And let's listen to this back and forth with Chuck Todd. Cut, four, go. Go.
5: Look, I think one of the one of the best things going in Donald Trump's favor, we know this, is the mainstream media. I hate to say it. I know I'm sitting on a Meet the Press roundtable, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, 62 percent think the media is biased. So, in other words, if you look at the approval rating of Donald Trump, well, it's conser- the the conservative of the media, echo chamber created that environment. It's, but, it's not. But, it's not. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. it has been a tactic and a tool of the Roger Ailes created yes, yes, echo yes, chamber. Yes, so yes, let's okay. not pretend it's not anything other than that. Well, hang on. Yes and no, because remember the independents. In the, are part of Donald Trump's base. And I think that's very important. A lot of times we say Republicans are Donald Trump's base. Not really. They're, they're, no, it's they're, a separate they're, they're, Trump. It is a different version of the Republican But those Party. independents also distrust the media. This is not just Republicans. It is many Americans across oh, the No, 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 country. I take your point. Right. I'm just saying it was a creation. It was a campaign tactic. It's not like based in much I, fact. I do t-
1: you see, this is how they delude themselves. This is why they're never circumspect. You see, uh, but for Fox and the late Roger Ailes and but for, I guess, conservative media and but for Trump exploiting these, uh, these media entities and they backing him, the media favorability rate would be much higher. That's not true. The public has despised the media now for decades. And what Chuck Todd is incapable of doing, really what the vast majority of them are capable of doing, is really taking a look at what they've done. Chuck Todd has become a mouthpiece for the progressive left and the progressive left's base. And he's not alone. Jake Tapper, Don Lemon, Wolf Blitzer, uh, over there at MSLSD, Matt Al, Chris Matthews, the morning schmo and soon-to-be Mrs. Schmo. Why haven't they gotten married yet, by the way, Rich? Well, that's a whole other story. Maybe Joe's having second thoughts. So, this is why they'll never have a course correction as they like to say never because all of you and I we're all right wing nuts we're deranged Uh, we're suckers we just buy into all this stuff Uh, you uh, accept propagandists and we know the propagandists are at Fox and in conservative media and they pull your strings and you're incapable of thinking for yourselves this is what they believe but you know what I've been thinking about this too the progressive mentality in the media is it really any different than the progressive mentality in politics or the progressive mentality in Hollywood or the progressive mentality in academia don't they all think the same way that they're superior to everybody else that they're experts in all things or at least they can find experts in all things that underscore their viewpoints this is the progressive mentality I wrote about it in Rediscovering Americanism it's just being exercised here in the environment of the media They have the same view of you that any progressive does. And then they claim that they're standing for free press when you challenge them, when you point out what they're really doing. Oh, you just hate the press. No, we don't hate the press. We're the ones who defend the Bill of Rights. We're the ones who actually defend what the Constitution says. You're the guys who keep making a run at Fox, keep making a run at talk radio, keep making a run at advocacy campaigns during uh, uh, political campaigns during elections we don't believe in that we don't want to nationalize the internet, you do we're the ones who stand for freedom of the press they're the ones who control the college campuses and try and squelch people who disagree with them, squelch the various speakers that can come up and so forth they do that, we don't do that it's the same progressive mentality. Listen to me, because this is this is the bottom line. It's the same mentality that says you don't know what kind of health care to buy. Uh, you're a racist and a bigot, which is why you will not allow open borders or you oppose open borders. That you're an imperialist and colonialist, which is why you support a strong military. And then in the end, you're, you believe in white privilege because you believe in the Constitution that was written by what? Several of them were slave owners. The progressive mentality is a mentality that they are superior to us. They don't believe in it really in, in equality. They don't believe in individualism. They don't believe in the debate of ideas. they're smarter than us. And yet, I would take Chuck Todd on on anything history, philosophy, economics, mathematics, whatever he wants, because he's so smart. I'll be right back.
0: Much love
1: Oh yeah. All right. Let's see here. Pa 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 A lot of people are saying... uh, People just repeat what somebody else says, that uh, McCain's final statement he issued before passing was a veiled shot at Trump. And there the media go again. So McCain's passing is about Trump all the time. The people who didn't vote for McCain the media, the people who pulled for Obama in the media, the people who trashed McCain in 2008 we all remember it the people who wrote scurrilous stories about McCain if McCain is as they say he was today, why didn't they vote for him? Why didn't they support him? A war hero who as they argue supported bipartisanship Instead, they voted for not even a junior senator. A senator had been in the, in the Senate for two years in Obama and was and befriended and was befriended by anti-war activists, even domestic terrorists. So the media have a lot of explaining to do. These Democrats on TV have a lot of explaining to do, but they, they don't. They don't explain anything. Everything is twisted into an attack on conservatives, on Trump, on the core of the Republican Party. Everything. Even the passing of John McCain. As I talked about in the first hour. They politicize it. They're not mourning John McCain. Nicole Wallace isn't mourning John McCain. What's her name? Katie Turr. She's not mourning John McCain. Look at these people. They're angry. They're on the attack. Move from one issue to the next. And now, in the case of McCain, it's more attack, 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 attack. Why won't the president attend his funeral? Because the president was basically told he can't. And he shouldn't. There are harsh words between the two men. But I said there were harsh words between the two men. Not just one man, but between the two men. And it's very unfortunate. There were harsh words between George W. Bush and McCain for a period of time, mostly, quite frankly, from John McCain. Human beings, that's what we are. Flesh and blood, that's what we are. Imperfect, that's what we are. It's okay. It's okay. And he was a great patriot and great hero, as I say. You cannot... ...read about and seriously read about what he went through as a POW and think otherwise. You just can't. Remarkable human being. And I think he was quite wrong on a number of important political issues as a senator. You can still have enormous respect for the man and strongly disagree with many of his political positions as I did. Yet as you know, we supported him and I voted for him in 2008... There's no way I was going to ever do anything to try and help Obama win. It was a lousy campaign. His campaign manager was lousy. His campaign advisors were lousy. And ironically, even though they trashed Sarah Palin, it was Sarah Palin who was bringing in the big crowds and and uh, and she was the one who breathed life back into that campaign. There's no question about it. But it was it was a shellacking. It was a bad loss. And. Um, well, that's the way it was. How about we do a little bit of this? Oh, wait. Uh, Jake Tapper, CNN. This is exactly what I mean. This guy is like, he's very pusillanimous, and he and he really has a massive ego, and he thinks he's so much smarter than everybody else, and of course he has a hate on. Cut 14, go.
5: I, I can't help but think that like part of the reason why there's such reverence for him today is because of who's in the White House right now, because they are polar
1: opposites. There you go. He's talking about the passing of McCain, and he has to attack Trump because they're obsessed. Did he vote for McCain? I'm just curious. I know he's a reporter, but I would like, did he vote for McCain? Uh, I seriously doubt it. I don't know. Let's listen to Scarborough. Cut 13. Go.
0: Uh, John McCain had some conflicts. He had some contradictions. He had sharp elbows. He had sharp edges. Uh, and yet, uh, in in all of my years dealing with a man, uh, it, it made me love him even more. Even, even when I knew at times when he loathed me. He, he was a straight shooter. He spoke his mind.
1: Wait. And- so a straight shooter who speaks his mind is admirable if his name is McCain. A straight shooter who speaks his mind is a reprobate if his name is Trump. Do I have this about right? Go ahead.
0: Exactly what America needed, not only uh, in the 1960s in Vietnam, the courage uh, that he showed, the extraordinary strength he showed, but also in the age of Trump.
1: So there we go. It's about Trump. Scarborough sound like he's mourning McCain? No. He's got Trump on the brain. Go ahead.
0: Just didn't give a damn about an errant tweet from a blustery president because he had already been through hell and back, and he could put up with it.
1: Why, why are you attacking Trump rather than talking about McCain? This has gone on all day long. Went on all day yesterday. It'll go on all day tomorrow. It's actually bizarre. It's actually bizarre, I think. I could play a whole bunch of these. But I won't. Matter of fact, when we come back, I've got a treat for you. I've got a treat. There are some positive things going on in this country today as well. There's some positive things going on in the media as well. Not on CNN, not on MSNBC, not on the major networks, not in the big newspapers, but there are some positive things going on. And I think we'll take a few minutes for you to hear them. So much is said about millennials or younger people, that they're all socialists now. That, uh, that they don't understand the Constitution and the First Amendment, and many of them don't, unfortunately. But there are bright lights. My kids are bright lights, probably your kids, grandkids, but there are bright lights out there. And rather than allowing the progressive media, the Praetorian Guard for big government, to tell us who we should listen to and watch and who we shouldn't listen to and watch, we're going to listen to and watch whom we wish to. And I want you to hear two of these young people, when I return.
3: America's
0: most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811.
1: Casper was created with one goal deliver a great night's sleep at an incredible value. And that's exactly what they do. The team of engineers and designers at Casper work nonstop researching, prototyping, and testing all their mattresses based on how different people sleep. The Casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment, so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. And the breathable material guarantees you sleep coolly. Plus, the mattresses are built to last for years. Try Casper yourself for 100 nights risk free. They ship it to you for free in a compact box. If you don't love it, they come pick it up and refund you everything, no questions asked. See for yourself why Casper has over 35,000 five star reviews and counting. Go to Casper.com today to take advantage of Casper's limited time Labor Day offer. Say goodbye to summer with 10% off any order with a mattress. That's a lot of bucks. Casper.com terms and conditions apply. Remember, see the site for details based on reviews of all Casper products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. All right? Get your mattress. You've heard me talk about it for years. It is the mattress. All right, let's slip a call or two in here. Let's go go to bianca las vegas nevada the great Cadon, k d w n go
7: hi mark nice talking to you
1: and i to just you. want
7: to say <laughs> i just want to say thank you for all you do and to your staff oh, um, thank you. we appreciate that you bring to our home or to our car um the truth i want to mm. congratulate you on on your show on fox on sundays Thank you. I watched your show last night. I usually record it and then put the kids in bed and then watch the show. But I, I didn't know you had Candace and, and um, Katie. Like Katie in there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have to watch this.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot wait. I, I loved it. I am so happy that you have two conservative women, uh, young women in your show. I think you should have more on that of that in in T V or even in radio. Mm -hmm. We listen to you. My fourteen year old, she's a centennial, and she she listens to you when she can because she's now in high school. Mm -hmm. But yesterday we were just talking about feminism and she asked me, Mama, are we are feminists? And I Mm -hmm. said, No, we're not. And this was the perfect show that we want to watch it tonight because she was in bed last night. But we want to watch it tonight. And, and Candace, and, and, um, they, they explain it perfectly.
1: Well, thank you. So, thank you very, very much. And uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this yet, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm told that what Fox is going to start doing is taking the show that airs on Sunday, like the show last night, and then play it on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and then the new show on Sunday. So uh, we'll see how that goes. So anyway, I want to thank you very, very much, and your daughter as well. As a matter of fact, let's listen to just a little bit of this. Cut 16 from Life, Liberty, and Levin last night. Go. What does conservatism mean to you? And by the way, this is Katie Pavlich. Go ahead. What does conservatism mean to you?
8: Conservatism to me is, you know, limited government, liberty, and sticking to the Constitution and realizing that government is not the solution to almost anything, uh, that your community, your family is a solution to everything. You know, going back to the beginning of the country, we've rejected this communal way, style of living, going back to the pilgrims coming here. I mean, being conservative is really just about, you know, making your own decisions, deciding on your own future, and being responsible when you fail, learning from those failures and being able to move on and be successful in your own right, not having to depend on other people to make your success for you. Obviously, you go through life and you have, you know, partnerships and bosses who promote you and give you opportunity, but it's really up to you to take those opportunities and pursue them in a way that makes you successful.
1: And what does conservatism mean to you?
8: Well, if
9: you look at the, the inverse, this is I think uh, to me means bondage and conservatism means freedom, uh, the freedom to choose, the freedom to have uh, responsibility to go after things in life. It's the founding principles of this country, that any person could come to this country with the, cloth- the clothing on their back and make something of themselves. Uh, I-, I learned conservatism Through my grandfather, I didn't know that that was the name. I I didn't know these were conservative principles. Starting his life on a sharecropping farm, working tremendously hard, five years old, picking cotton and laying tobacco out to dry um, on a farm. And and today he now owns that farm. That was the American dream. And we lost that. We gave that up as government got bigger and the individual got smaller.
1: How do you break the back of the ideological monopoly on our college campuses cut 17 go i mean i've been looking into this myself how do we break the back of this monopoly
8: well i think that we have to first look at the fact that taxpayers are funding these government institutions so we call them public schools they're really government institutions especially when it comes to universities they're constantly going to their state legislatures and asking for more money for less productive work and less results the universities on the, the public level, the government level, are not responsible for anything that they put out. So they don't care if you go for four years, five years, six years, as long as you're paying them money. They don't care if you get a degree in sociology. They actually probably prefer that. Um, but there's no results. They're not trying to get people a job. Um, so, how do we change that? First, you talk to your state legislatures about how the universities are taking all of your tax money, and they're not actually producing any real world was, world results of students who can then go get real jobs instead of being $100,000 in debt over a women's studies. So pull degree.
1: back the funding.
8: Pull back some of the funding. Look at what you know what they're spending their money on. When I was in college, I would go on a radio show every single Thursday and expose what was happening inside the universities. Inside my classroom, what my professors were saying inside the classroom, what they were spending money on. I remember they built a fake border wall across the campus and they were preventing somebody students a wall. Yeah, they were yeah. preventing students from getting to, to class. And those are the things that student fees are going towards. That's what parents are paying for. That's what taxpayers are footing the bill for. And so exposing that from the inside out is important because alumni can look at it and say, I'm no longer going to give my money to these universities. I'm going to give them to conservative organizations instead that are actually making a difference on campus, suing universities is key too because they think that they're not going to be held accountable by anybody. But when they're infringing on the rights of of students, uh, organizations like FIRE have sued on behalf of students. ADF uh, ADF has also sued to say, "Look, you think you can bully students out of their First Amendment rights by bringing conservative speakers here to simply offer a different point of view? We're not going to put up with that anymore. Their constitutional rights apply on campus and off campus."
1: To Candace Owens. How do we break the back of this ideological college monopoly? Did I already do that? Yeah. Uh, Cut 18. Candace Owens and Katie Pavlich. Media wants to divide us. Go ahead.
9: They have entire groups that discriminate. You know, they have up in Colorado a group that's called Students Against White Supremacy, and they target turning point students. Mm -hmm. They accost them in bathrooms, and they yell at them, and they call them white supremacists simply because they believe in free markets and capitalism. This is the sort of thing that is happening on college campuses across the United States.
1: And do you see this bleeding into the media? I mean, you watch (laughs) CNN and MSNBC and some of these other platforms. The hosts, and not just the hosts, the nature of the guests they invite or they're regular contributors. I saw you, I think it was on MSNBC, with this fellow Dyson. And obviously you, you, wouldn't ta- you wouldn't take any of his stuff. He's a Georgetown University professor. Correct. I assume he's tenured. And this guy's full of rage. Right. And he, it, it's always white, black, and white, and black. And he's a popular guest on MSNBC. I assume he sometimes shows up on CNN. too. But he's not alone. So this narrative that's in the college campus in the classroom with these tenured professors is now being pushed into the general public through media platforms like MSNBC and CNN is that right
9: that's correct and and what they want to do is divide and separate us and and pretend that everything is racist and everything is sexist and making people go home and feeling that they have a right to be emotional and enraged and angry and that's exactly why I do what I do is to present a different perspective that people haven't heard a more realistic perspective of what's actually going on i did not grow up in a racist country okay that's just false and there are many students that believe when we start our events on college campus i say How many of you believe that America is more of a racist country today than it was in the 1920s? Hands will go up. They actually believe that they are living in a country that is more racist today than it was when our grandparents were coming up, than it was when we had Jim Crow laws and it was when we had slavery. They say
8: it's just shifted. It's a different kind of racism. Well, I have to say that I've been waiting years for Michael Eric Dyson, Professor Dyson, to meet his <laughs> match. And I was so happy to see you take him on because for years I have listened to him and watched him promote that garbage that he does on MSNBC and in his classroom. You're not the only one. Sure, right. But what I would He's, say is— and It's
1: not just— an African-American professor, you can have white professor, whatever it is, it's the same narrative. But
8: I would say when they're pushing it out onto the airwaves outside of their bubble of the university, they're more exposed and people can see their arguments being made and realize that they don't stand up in the real world, which is why these types of professors only exist on college campuses because they can't survive outside of that. Their arguments don't hold up, their principles don't hold up and yes, they are indoctrinating students, but the good news is that a lot of them get out of school and get into the real world and realize they were lied to they wasted a whole lot of their money and that they're actually more conservative than they thought before
1: see chuck todd this is the problem and this is the poison of the media as pavlich and owens pointed out it's not because of fox it's not because of conservative media outlets it's because of you what about trump and political correctness candace owens cut 19 go Now, Candace, you've mentioned President Trump a few times. I have. In a very excited, positive way. Tell me why.
9: I absolutely love this president. Um, I think that what he did in this country was the most necessary thing uh, by killing political correctness. Uh, We were losing this country, and everybody was too politically correct to tell us that we were losing this country. He stood up on a platform, and he started telling the truth. Um, And it was timely, because when you look at what's happening in Europe, um, I think that we would have suffered some of the same consequences that they're suffering if we hadn't had somebody who was tough and willing to take the hits from the media.
1: In this respect, you're talking about immigration.
9: I'm I'm talking about immigration and, and other things, too. Sitting on a platform and saying to black America, what do you have to lose? Having everyone in the media interpret that as racism when, in fact, what's actually been happening to the black community is racist. The Democrat policies that have been inflicted in the black community are racist. When you talk about the welfare system, um, Lyndon B. Johnson and the proliferation of the welfare state and his Great Society Act, right? Those are the things that were racist. Trump was actually telling us, you guys are losing. So his courage and his strength is what I admire. And the results that he's already brought to this country in the 18 months that he's been in office.
1: And I saw a recent poll where his popularity in the black community mm-hmm. is not only rising, it's like 36%. That's higher than any modern Republican president that I'm aware of.
9: You're getting me excited right now. I'm going to do a backflip. So, yes, <laughs> that is exactly correct. And, and despite, the word here is despite, despite every single day, uh, we have CNN, MSNBC, racist, 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 trying to get black people in line. But here's the thing, results.
1: Pretty good, don't you think? These ladies are unbelievable. That's from uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin last night. By the way, Florida, by the way, Florida, this is the E before Election Day tomorrow for your uh, Republican primary for governor. I cannot more strongly encourage you to get out and vote for DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is the real deal. Putman pretends that he's, that DeSantis is a creation of Washington. Putman has spent almost his entire professional career in Washington. He went back to Florida to run for Secretary of Agriculture. He's got all big sugar behind him. He's run a zillion dollars in ads trying to trash DeSantis. DeSantis served his country in two theaters. He's not a creation of Washington. He went to Washington to try and change it as others did. And he is a patriot, and uh i hope I hope because I have a property in Florida too, I have family in Florida, my parents, but even more than that, he's a great guy, and you have a wonderful opportunity to have a uh, an outstanding nominee uh, to take on the Democrat in the general election for governor. A lot of us don't have those choices, so I'm going to strongly encourage you if you're listening to me in all the towns across Florida, please don't expect somebody else to vote, and carry the water for you. We cannot have a minimal turnout of conservatives, cannot constitutionalists, capitalists. You don't turn out because you just figure that it's going to be the right result. No. It's like uh, in the uh, congressional election. That's up to us to prevent the impeachment of the president by making sure the Democrats don't take the House. Well, in Florida, it's up to you to pick the best of the men who, who, uh, who's running. And it's hands down Ron DeSantis, who I've strongly endorsed. I hope you don't forget to vote tomorrow. We'll be right back.
0: Mark bump,
1: Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, about 40 minutes... Kennedy on Fox. Uh, let's see here. You know, you probably heard me talking about the recent censorship we've seen of conservative voices on social media. It's not enough for them to have a platform where people can debate ideas and share opposing views. The liberals have one agenda, to shut down conservative speech. They can't stand President Trump. They try to shut down anyone who says a good word about him. Now, while you know uh, what we're all about on my show... And uh, whether it's Levin TV or Fox or radio, and that's giving people the truth, no matter the cost. That's why we created CRTV conservative review TV. It's a completely separate platform where you can get uncensored content from hosts. You trust great hosts. And if you're like us, you've seen the writing on the wall and it's time to start building this network and community of conservatives. We need you to be part of this conservative community and it's not going to keep growing if we don't have support from viewers like you. So we're giving everyone access to CRTV for 30 days absolutely free. So let me do something that's very rare. 30 days absolutely free CRTV access. How about a Levin Surge? As many of you as possible. Let's see if we can massively expand conservative View TV And you'll be able to watch all these wonderful hosts. And after 30 days, you'll make your decision. So give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. We'll have you all set up in five minutes. Matter of fact, let's do something that's not only worthwhile for you. but Let's do something that's funny. Let's flood the toll-free line and sign up and get your 30 days free. And you can check it out with your own two eyes. That's 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. And by the way, it really is worth it. And we have great hosts. It's a great network. Uh, You don't have to be stuck with MSNBC and CNN and all the rest of that crap. And it is crap. Susan, New York City, the great WABC, go.
4: John, oh, John McCain, I got involved with um, his campaign in 2000, the Straight Talk uh, Express here in New York. And people maybe don't realize that, you know, there was a huge effort to keep him off the ballot to even run in the primary. And when I heard that, I just felt compelled when I heard his story. I, you know, didn't really understand, like, how much the patriots like him had suffered, um, you know, trying to protect our country against communism. And when I did get involved, you know, he inspired me a lot to, like, get out of my own comfort zone and do more where I could. Um, so I just always think of him as a patriot. But I also feel a little disappointed that somehow he couldn't bury the hatchet with President Trump like he did with President Bush and Obama, and that they were both, you know, at fault. You know, it's always a two-way street. when. All
1: right, Susan, there's a lot of truth to what you say, my friend, but I have to go. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you in 30 minutes on Fox on Hannity TV. God bless each and every one of you.